which Great British Bake Off era are we? Obviously, oh, the Mary the Berry. Yeah, yeah, Mary, Mary Berry. Berry Mary Berry, Mel Gidroich, and Sue Perkins. Okay. Oh, and there's four of us. And that's what I'm saying is we can make that happen. So I think the first thing to talk about is the division, right? Because there are two hosts, two presenters. Why would we talk about Ubisoft's 2012? Oh, I'd happily talk about Ubisoft's 2012 hit, The Division. But I actually I, don't even know if that's when the game released. I feel like it might have been later than that, but I'm killing the bit. Yeah. So there's a division. There are two presenters, two comedians, and then there are two people that actually know about baking mary mm-hmm. berry and paul hollywood and so what are we about are we baking i would make an argument that what we've shown the most aptitude for collectively and it really it's because of one member but what we've shown the most aptitude and like dedication and mentioned amongst the most number of episodes is wrestling right okay <laughs> It never goes away. Yeah, you're right. it never this goes is, away. This is a wrestling podcast. I'm actually yeah. I'm with the, pop culture the, bits. Yeah, I'm in yeah. the early processes of making a wrestling podcast. Anyone is welcome to sit in on. I incredible. I, yeah. Oh my gosh. You need an outlet. So then, if it's a wrestling podcast, we need two people that know they're they're the two people that are the like Paul Hollywood and Mary Berry of wrestling, and then two people that are just there to sort of support all the other poor schmucks as they stumble their way through this loving but ultimately unforgiving gauntlet of wrestling trivia and illusions. Well, the problem is, as far as I'm aware, and I don't mm-hmm. know if it's like expertise, like displaying it, like what your intrinsic expertise is or just like the display of expertise, mm-hmm. but if, if it really is a wrestling podcast, then Brent is both paul hollywood and mary berry right <laughs> i mean we could we could temporarily assign it that way and just see what shakes out because uh-huh. you're He's right some cause... kind of like cerberus except there would have to be three <laughs> um worst i forgot because well, there's also the energy the, to the podcast it's so good yeah i don't i mean you know there's not a whole lot that i say but sometimes <laughs> i got it <laughs> so then which two of us form a delightful duo to shepherd the unsuspecting third through this this wild and crazy world I mean, of wrestling we, illusions? Have we had enough episodes and enough combinations of people to really like understand those chemistries? That's a good question. I think we're just just for the purposes of kind of you know to avoid scope creep. I think the four of us are the contenders. Yeah, for exactly. This, this exactly. This is the pilot project for this, for this paradigm. And so it's tricky. Do we maybe, I mean, do we maybe just make it a little more archetypical where they're like the, the, the model of the Great British Bake Off are the experts, the presenters, the contestants, and I don't know, the pastries. I realize there's not a fourth. Wait, which one of us is the pastries? (laughs) I don't know. I guess I would have Brent be the judges. Mm-hmm. Steve would be the comedians. And then I don't know what Dane and I are. Maybe I'm the pastries. So sweet. So sweet. Oh. That implies so, that essentially like 
I am the output. I'm the production. Right. And I guess I the like, podcast is the pastries. Podcast is the pastries. I mean, the picture. The podcast I mean, is the, logo. the cake. Yeah. The logo is a cake. It actually, it was already, <laughs> it was already determined for us. It was yeah. in front of us the whole time. Oh my gosh. Okay. But so Brent, I think, gives off the most Paul Hollywood energy. Like if any of us were trying to present wrestling to Brent, he, like his approval and or withering stares, I think would be the real motivator. If he ever offered someone a handshake, for example, based on their proper allusion to wrestling, I I think the show would stop for a beat and we would like take it in so did we decide who's who and what what you're we problematized it a little bit more (laughs) (laughs) tell me so brent you are you are both of the judges maybe i put forth that steve is both of the comedians I don't know what Dane and I are, but the podcast itself is the pastries or like whatever it is that they're making that week since it is a cake. You're just um, contestants? Maybe. Why would it be both of the judges? Is, is it because Mary Berry is like loving towards... Right. The, That's sort of the know, problem. Now it is. <laughs> and that Paul, Paul Hollywood's kind of an asshole? Well, like no, the problem, the problem is I think that no one else claims to have mastery of wrestling in such a way that they could properly judge other people's wrestling illusions like you could like i i have a very tiny window into it which i think actually kind of fits with the host idea right because that's always the joke is the host would be like oh yeah are you proving it i know what things are Right? So it would be like my brief foray, right? I can be like, the people's elbow, am I right? And everyone's like, ha ha ha. Whereas, like, the nuances of, like, the McMahon family's role in the, the WW star empire is something that only Brent could really speak about. And if anyone else tried to do it, chances are there would be a hilarious failure. Like the podcast, the pastry would be well-meaning, but look like squished Freddie Mercury, for example. It'd be really interesting to me if Adam gets in and we haven't started the podcast. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> I mean, this, all, this is all, this is all being recorded. So this is going somewhere. I just don't know where. Yeah. I, I hope so. Cause I think the revelation when we realized that, the podcast is the pastry of the great British baking show. And then recalled that the name of the podcast is, is a cake. Like, like our icon is a cake. That's gold. Yeah. Did I, you just, I, I point did to you just out. make that connection. We did like, we did it live. Go back and listen to the tracks during okay. editing. And you're going to be, I don't think First you'll be all, blown the, away. The assumption that I would edit is <laughs> the audacity. <laughs> This is wild. Adam, for some reason, has taken up the mantle so strongly. Yeah, there's. It's it, really, it changes the game for us in a way that it was always yeah. our weakest. It was always our weakest point. Forrest will will attest to. But uh, yeah, Adam doing it. I mean, I think part of it is whomever discovered Descript 
right? I feel like it was Forrest, but I could be way off. That was Forrest. Forrest discovered the script. Yeah, had... I just, I mean, I listened to other podcasts where they said it was a good thing. And then I'm like, I can steal ideas from people. Yeah. I was listening to, I was listening to uh, Friendly Fire in front of somebody else. And it was that was also me. I'm taking credit for that one. That was you, yeah, hundred percent. And it was all, and it was like the intro monologue, and it was like one of the more recent episodes. And he was like, "What? What is this podcast about?" (laughs) I was just like, "I don't know, man. I can't." (laughs) It's about war movies, but the intro is always like, is always like the closest I think I'll ever get to academia. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) this guy spouting about it. How would you describe the intro? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's... Yeah, you're right. I feel like it is the movie paper brief of the movie, but also it's got that certain, you know, flair of a certain type of paper where they go way the hell off into, like, its own topic with its own existential crisis that only tangentially relates to the, the actual topic. But it's kind of awesome. It's a great, it's a great podcast. I would recommend everyone listen to Friendly Fire. And I think my favorite thing is not that that it's not that their intro music is war. It's that they had the audacity to ask the record label if they could use that for their dinky little podcast, and the record label's like, "Sure, we're not doing anything with this song." (laughs) It's amazing. And they're also Um, like, I I also love their liberal. Like they have like a lot of like like self like self pointed liberal jokes. Like a leftist or liberal, I would say they're. I would you say they're liberal. Gatekeeping, hair I don't know. splitting. I don't know if would disagree, but I think they're liberals. I don't think they're leftists. Um, I think that John Roderick is a liberal, and the other two are leftists. That makes sense. John Roderick is the older one, right? Yeah, he's kind of the old. He's kind of the elder scholar of the three. <laughs> he'll like constantly. Shit. He'll constantly say like point, make jokes at the other's expense about how left they are and it's but it's all like i think it's not lampooning but it's like making light of the kind of criticism that they might receive from their audience it's all in good fun yeah he they're they're you know they're all in the joke no one's um, feelings are getting hurt so yo should we get this road on the show yeah Forrest, go ahead all right Welcome to Pop Culture Cake. Today, this week, we're going to be talking about a little bit of an older film, but not too old, 2012's Cabin in the Woods. As per usual, I'm Forrest Jacobs, and we have two of my friends here today. Just two, huh? Let's say three. No, no, no. Go ahead. Which two are your friends? (laughs) I don't know. Who's going to introduce themselves? The point point of... Okay, my name is Brent. The point of the host is you're supposed to go, I'm here with Brent, and I go, hello. Anyway... Uh, hi, my name is I'm Brent, and then I'm I'm not Forrest's friend. <laughs> well, apparently. Whoa, not. whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> I think we all know who isn't Forrest's friend here, and it's not a uh, a ranking of people thing. I think it's just the fact that Dane and Forrest have never met in real life at all, ever. I'm probably judgmental. I don't know I if I would say that. I, th- I thought the new bit was going to be Steve says he's not Forrest's friend, and then <laughs> yeah, I thought so too. Oh no, I totally punted <laughs> on that like one. A Spartacus thing. I still don't know who Spartacus is. Also, Dane, go ahead. I'm Dane. Uh, <laughs> Classic Dane. Say hi, One Dane. Day, I hi, will be Dane. The friend. And uh, I'm clearly not Steve, for those of you who had a conspiracy that I was. He sounds so different. 
Yeah, the it wasn't. Oh no! Oh, I set you up for failure. There's not. We don't have a big enough <laughs> fan base to have fan theories. No, I know, I know. I want both of you to say, "Hi, my name is Steve." Hi, my name is Steve. Now, Hi, Steve, you do it. My name is Steve. <laughs> I can't tell them apart. Honestly, I couldn't even say which one was which. Okay, so we're talking about Cabin in the Woods. I think this is a pretty popular movie, and there's a good chance that our audience has already seen it. But I would like to say, you know, kind of before we dive into this film, there is, you know, we normally don't have any promises about being spoiler free anyway, but this movie is particularly difficult to talk about without blowing the entire conceit and kind of like the initial twist, right? Would you guys agree? 100%. So I think if you haven't seen this movie, you know, turn off the podcast go it's, on i think it's, it's on, amazon, on prime amazon prime right now yeah. yeah if you have prime you can just watch it and that's going to be way more entertaining than any of the shit that we say about it frankly so do that first and then come back i don't know do we steve do you feel do you feel up to doing one of your famous uh minute summaries oh absolutely always always and forever i'm closing together <laughs> thank you all right are we are we prepared because i'm prepared i mean we're gonna we're gonna have to be Okay, great. So, deep inside the planet, there are some sort of old gods that require appeasement in the form of a ritual that just so happens to align perfectly with the horror movie tropes from various cultures across the world. So, for example, the American version of the ritual involves five horny teens going to a spooky place, doing something bad, getting killed in, you know, gory and or convoluted ways, and so on and so forth. The twist is that there is a pseudo-governmental agency that monitors these events and sort of propagates them to ensure that rituals are completed in a timely manner to keep the old gods at bay. However, this time, something goes wrong. Well, wronger. And we end up with this cool dual protagonist story where you have, like, the horny teens trying not to die, and you also have these like middle-aged bureaucrats trying to save the world and they come at odds to each other which is you know haha gotcha love joss whedon that's it that's, what was that's what the was bit. joss whedon's involvement involvement i know he it's was the, involved he i was, think he wrote know. it googling it man i i want to talk about every single one of those points you talked about was produced good because if he didn't want to talk about any of them i would have felt but he wrote it i believe he wrote and he, produced, he produced it. it and it was written by him and the director drew and goddard who's the director who's, drew goddard whose name i i do know for some reason he, oh, he, he like directed the martian guy. oh neat and cloverfield oh, oh he wrote, no he screen wrote the screenplay for oh Oh, he did a writing, a lot of writing for. Uh, he directed a lot of the Good Place, too, or not a lot of, but he directed some of the Good Place. That's interesting because I put in my notes that the like underground government pseudo government agency gave me a little bit of Good Place vibes. Wow, look at that making oh, connections. Yeah, well, because you know they're controlling people's lives and they're kind of behind the scenes, but it's like some kind of like evil, evil power versus good power thing, but it's also very bureaucratic, you know. Hmm. It is very like SCP. See, I, it reminds me more of like the Umbrella Academy and the assassins that they work. Oh, sure, I got you. Yeah, the the that shadowy pseudo governmental organization working alongside weird paranormal, violent activities. 
Which is also the SCP organ. Like the SCP yeah, which is, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a total. Even to the point of like, there's a pretty popular SCP that is like a ancient deer god that is totally capable of destroying everything. And he is held in place by a ritual that is uh, very ornate or complicated or both and or and all. And uh, but but it's like revealed in the document that the ritual actually does nothing. It is just that they have like they have convinced the dear God that the ritual will keep him satiated and like like they've convinced him that it is a strong magical thing. Mm -hmm. And so the dear God is just like, oh. Well, every time they do this, I can't do anything, even though it does nothing. I mean, it is a deer. I mean, <laughs> they're not the most clever elder gods. They run into traffic all the time. This deer god, I think, can like shoot lasers. Out of Although side. this is complete tangent, and and I, I I apologize in advance because yeah, I, really I feel like I've lost the plot it. a little bit. What are we talking about here? <laughs> what property are we team talking about? But oh, the SCP is secure, contain. Protect. protect yep it's like a it's like mm. a collaborative writing project that has been around on the internet for a very long time oh I've cool i've actually read any but yeah it's pretty good it's something that I'd, like, if you're Seems ever like just cool. using the restroom and you feel like reading a short article that's like through the like through the guise of a containment procedure for a particular preternatural or supernatural thing Oh, there's some like really creepy ones out there, though. Interesting. There's some really I'm creepy ones. There's now. some really fun ones. Uh, okay. Have you have you guys played the game Control? Oh yeah, Control yeah. is my shit. I love that game. Yeah, so it's it like any of the files from that game are SCP stories in essence. Like they'd be written the same way, you know, and they and they run that gamut from like goofy to genuinely unsettling to like completely nonsensical, but yes. Also, that game is that game is my shit. Yeah, and I hadn't thought about it before, but that does absolutely have the same kind of vibes of this movie at a certain point, where it's like, you know, kind of creepy, but also like meta commentary on creepiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and how they've they've had they've all like they've contained all of these like, mon mm -hmm. like all these monsters and creatures that are not elder the ancient elder gods or whatever but are still they're from the dangerous. old world right yeah. what'd you guys think of all that i mean i kind of liked how you know i think i was chuckling along when i was watching because this is probably like the third time that i've watched this movie and there are a lot of jokes kind of at the audience's expense or at a sort of normal horror movie audience expense, right? So part of it is I was kind of thinking like my, my favorite quote in the movie is your basic human needs disgust me. I think this was when they were watching they're the watching two them. kind of hot. Yeah. And it's sort of, that seems to me like they're talking less about the specific incident that's happening in front of them and more about how, you know, if you are watching a tropey horror movie, everybody is sitting around kind of betting on like what's going to happen and who's going to show up first and who's going to die first. And that's kind of represented by the betting scene. 
there are all these things that you're rooting for that if you think about are objectively horrible, which is what I was thinking of when they were saying your basic human needs disgust me and some other places. But then also there's this point where they get really somber after the first death because they have to perform part of a ritual. And it was making me think of like the ritual of watching a horror movie and sort of letting go and laughing and having fun, but then also taking it very deadly seriously at points in order to scare yourself. Sure, sure. Uh, I think even more telling than that your basic human needs disgust me is there's a scene right before that where they're like trying, they're like altering the pheromone composition in the air to try and encourage them to like get frisky. And there's like a there's a there's like a foil to this whole process with some like new transfer ex military guy who's sort of in the background and is really there just to justify moments of exposition. And the one of the lead operations people mentions. You know, he's like, why, why does it matter if they like, why does it matter if you get to see boobs? One of the lead operations guys is like, well, because we're not the only ones watching. Right? right. And it's like, get it? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's a pretty, now that so now we, you say that's pretty oh, obvious in retrospect. Yeah. So we are the elder gods. Wait, yeah. we are? <laughs> the audience. Yeah, the audience. Capitalism is actually the elder god? Well, Ooh. no, but, but think about it. Right? Like this beast's appetite if not appeased literally unmakes the world right that's literally what's ha- that's what's that's yeah what's the, the giant that's hand was actually movie. a symbolism of the second hand of the, the hand of the market actually that's... i mean the invisible hand of the market because that hand was very visible don't overthink it you what what <laughs> we have a podcast you brought, you brought that's the whole point the... <laughs> no, no, that's, that's the joke joking, got him joking do you think that this movie is like i feel like this movie to some extent is on on the first watch you're like oh man that's that's like pretty good they got me and i can see what they're saying but then do you think this movie has something more to say that you can watch it like two or three times or like after the first time do you think you pretty much like have all the information it's trying to give you and you get the joke i think that can be a risk when there's a when there's a property that is like leaning hard on one thing and like pushes that i think the the real the reward to multiple watchings is just that you can see more of the of that conceit that like this is a completely constructed environment Right, and so like you see, you can potentially see more subtle influences from this outside force, or in my wife's case, who watched alongside me, you can see, you could like you can see more. You could see more of like the the stoned character un undoing these sorts of things, like at the very beginning, or I guess just to like say it so we can set the scene a little bit at the beginning of this like ritual the individuals in the american version of the ritual at least go into this basement that is literally chock-a-block full of standard spooky things you've got conch shell that summons mermaids you've got diary of a of a young girl in a pain obsessed fundamentalist cult thing You've got haunted dolls, probably. You've got 
scary ballerina music boxes. You've got like the whole thing. And it's whatever one they touch or like activate determines what sort of like preternatural foe appears and kills them in a particular pattern, blah, blah, blah. So, Mm -hmm. and so anyway, at the beginning of that, the, so like one of the whole points is that the, there's a character who's like, super stoned like for comedic effect because that is also a a big part of horror movies but he is so thoroughly inebriated through the entirety of the film that all of the like psychotropic drugs they are trying to pump into the room to make people like lose their ability to think critically and like take their clothes off aren't affecting him and so in that scene everyone is like mesmerized by you know like i don't know haunted amulets and shit He's like, why are we in a basement touching all these scary things at the same time? Guys, go upstairs. Yeah. Or is it? Are you thinking about the scene where they're playing truth or dare? And he's like, I dare you to return to safety. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forget. Yeah. yeah. Hey, guys, I dare you to return to the safety of upstairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they use the same kind of thing again later when he's he's the only one who doesn't want to split up the party. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, okay. I just want to talk about that for one hot second. So they, like, the the new leader of the group, after the first death, is like, all right, we're going to stick together, and we're going to move, like, systematically through the house, barricading all of the entrances, and we're going to hole up till morning. And then, the like, it cuts to the operations team, right? Like, these bureaucrats, and they're like, ugh. You know, they're, like, clearly upset because that, is going to increase their chances of survival. And then one guy's like, watch the master work. And he like hits a couple buttons. And then the guy gets hit in the face by a little poof of gas. And he's like, we should split up. And I call that the split up gas. He got hit right in the face with split up gas and then decided that everyone should split up. Yeah. They kind of, uh, it was kind of MacGuffin there, huh? They phone. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Like, for something that is so like delicate and purposeful with these sorts of things where they're like, turning up the temperature in this corner of the forest and spraying pheromones to try and encourage a lady to take out her boobs. Mm -hmm. They then have just split up gas. Yeah. I see what you're saying, but I also kind of like that as commentary on like, no one would ever do this in a real situation. (laughs) So I feel like that's almost, but, but it's like a conspiracy theory, right? Like I can read literally anything into like part of like as the hand of the creator, where so there is I, I mean like I understand that it just because I'm like oh it's part of the whole thing doesn't mean it's necessarily good but that's the way that I read it when I was watching that part. Oh, well, I just think they do such a good job of it normally because I 100% agree with that point, right? That that the joke is that in order to fulfill the ritual, like you have to bend the rules of reality. You have to make people make stupid decisions and like go off on their own to get killed by a bunch of slow moving pain obsessed hillbilly zombies. Like I get it. Not regular zombies. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. That there are some really good quotable moments in the movie that we had just alluded to. And I'm I think I should we should really just task the audience here with just enjoying the movie for that, if nothing else. Joss Whedon writes pretty decent proto-Marvel movie dialogue, if you will. Right, like Marvel movies have really started to to plant their flag in like awkward turns of phrase and sheepish camera smiles, which I don't necessarily agree with. But 
prior to that, there was Joss Whedon, who you may remember from such epics as Firefly and Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. Angel Buffy. Oh, gosh. Yeah, absolutely. He's also kind of a piece of shit. Oh, my gosh. He has a problematic relationship with writing anything that's not a white dude. Also, just personally, kind of a piece of shit. Oh, yeah, even... Mm-hmm. And also, I think I think I like. Look, I'm a big, I'm a big, I'm a big Angel stan. Like, I grew up really digging Angel, mm-hmm. thinking Buffy mm-hmm. was really good, mm-hmm. liking 20, the first Avengers movie a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of his stuff. And granted, there's a lot of like, there's a lot that you can read into Angel. I'm not sorry, into the Avengers movies, if you so, if you were so inclined. But I think Joss Whedon and to a lesser extent, Drew Goddard really operate on a which was which is why I let y'all go on for so long without saying anything because I think they operate on a very like shallow, clever, mm-hmm. like not like if we were to like I think it's interesting that y'all were tearing up like digging deeper and you were finding some things because my take on the film was like this is a good this is a fun movie but it is it is hinged on a central twist. And I'm not, and, and and then I see very little past that. Like I do see, like oh, we're the audience. I get it, but like, you know, also it's like, it's fine. It's a good. It's a. It's very fun. I re, I would recommend it a hundred percent. But I, I don't know if there's much more than to say, like, audiences are greedy. This behavior is stupid. And wouldn't it be funny if it was all on purpose? Yeah, I hear you. And I think that is sort of, I didn't say that, but that's kind of where I was going with the, you know, should you watch this movie more than once? Or can you get something more out of this movie if you watch it more than once? Because it is sort of like, the once the once the conceit hits you, it's smart and it's funny, but it's also like one note that they're hitting over and over again. And I don't really want to criticize the movie for that because I don't think there's anything intrinsically wrong with that. I just want to kind of temper the instinct to say like, oh, this is such like a clever movie where people, when people hear like clever movie, they think like I should, I need to like watch this and dive into it and really get to the truth and figure out what's going on. I don't think it's that kind of clever. I think it's just more like, you know, smile and watch and nod along and get all the references and that yeah, kind like of thing. The, like you can watch it and then and full on just your emo- I think your emotional, your the emotional spectrum is 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 like only ever a few steps away from the gif of Captain America saying I understood that reference. Mm-hmm. Like you're never really pivoting too hard from that feeling. And like, because even the jokes like are good. Don't get me wrong; they're they're fine. They're good. They're funny. But like that merman, that mermaid bit doesn't hit hard the second time. You know, the only bit that hits hard, I think, on repeat viewings, is Chris Hemsworth hitting the force field. <laughs> and and I think a lot of that has been that each of my repeat because I've seen this movie like four times. 
each of my repeat viewings of this film have been with someone who hasn't seen and doesn't know what's happening. Oh, I knew the second from the I knew because I remember the bird. Yeah. yeah. They, yeah, but yeah, uh, they check off like, gun that one so hard. They, check they do check off. They do check off gun it. But I'm saying it's like a lot of people are maybe willing to or or just don't think about it, you know, or they're thinking about it, but they think something else is going to happen, or they, and and it's fun to see someone else watch Chris Hemsworth completely <laughs> blow up splat after that like really cheesy. Well, but he doesn't uh, even blow up splat. And I think that's what saves it, is that he tumbles down, occasionally bouncing off the force field into a ravine. Yeah, true. Like, for too long. For for objectively too long. Which, which is, is why that bit is good. Good, yeah. Yeah, but that's the best bit. Like, that is the peak of the of the jokes for me. Like, am I gonna am I gonna watch this film and then watch the stoner collapses bong into a, into a, into an Arctic travel thermid? mug yeah. every time and be like, ha, it's a coffee mug. Like, no, I, you know I mean? okay, but hold on, because that <laughs> that was, was actually really a... cool. That was like I liked that. I think honestly, Michael Bay should have watched that and been like, oh, that's how things that transform should look. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's also true. Man, the hot takes. I really want to see that. What shitting on Michael Bay's Transformers is not a hot it's, take. It's it lukewarm at best. It is the temperature. It, it is the most placid. It is the most okay. Like I, but, I, 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 I heated up a Stouffer's lasagna three hours ago. <laughs> take on the planet. It's so specific. If anything, if anything, I would say that that if the the better the better hot take is to say trans, the first Transformers, pretty okay, and each of those it, and every time Optimus Prime, don't ever look at this character arc, but every time Optimus Prime comes out and is just murdering other robots, ma chef's kiss. That's top tier, like it's really fine. It's really pretty good. It's actually kind of great, but everything around it is real shit. Like. Like Bumblebee pissing on on uh, that dude's head or whatever. It's the ball sack. But we're not talking about Transformers. Oh fuck! That was the second one. That was oh my god! I rolled my. I don't think I've ever rolled my eyes as hard at a movie as the ball sack in the second Transformers movie. That was just so fucking stupid. I do enjoy the. I do enjoy thinking about the logistics of. The, the 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 30 like the 150 cells glass cubes that are just shifting with within each other and like watching it happen and i'm like i don't see any mechanisms by which of course it's like maybe magic and I, this is like a super nitpicky thing but i enjoy it like i genuinely enjoyed it i'm like yeah like that's that's big scp vibes for me you know what i mean like I, that was i think the scariest part it's, could you imagine a, a whole movie of you just being in a cube and you're constantly being confronted by like different different horrors that would each individually completely ruin your life so does it establish that the monsters and stuff like that are from the old ones is that kind of what the, the inference old is world they say yeah that's they that's the impression i got are from the old well because they they're like oh god this is like the stuff of nightmares or whatever or like you know, oh, these things are from my nightmares. And it's like, actually, these are where your nightmares are from. 
we brought most of these over from the old world, or something like that. Do you think there's some meta... Hold on, I know that I just said this movie was very shallow. But do, you think <laughs> do you think there's some meta-commentary on the, like, boom of Japanese horror films in American cinema, and then the, the sharp decline? Because they, they talk about how the Japan branch has, like, a 100% success ratio. Yep. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, they're nailing it. They're nailing it. And then, like, these little girls pray that that grudge girl away. Yep. And it's like, oh, they fucking failed. They didn't fucking do it. And I kind of see how, like, that, like, 2012 would kind of line up with, like, they've made three, 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 and three grudge movies and three ring movies. We're kind of over it. I do really enjoy how the each ritual mirrors the, like, horror movie trope of its home country. Mm-hmm. And I do think, actually, that is that is an interesting point, right? That it is meta-comment... That it could be potentially meta-commentary on exactly what you said, right? That, that, the, that like, Japanese horror movies were, like, untouchably good for, like, a very short window of time. And then suddenly... Because he's, like, the anger at that moment when he's like, how hard is it to kill... Eight-year-olds, <laughs> not one death. Yeah, I mean, I would like that to be the case that it's meta commentary on that specific situation, but I feel like they were just making like cheap jokes. Japan, <laughs> like, like I think honestly, it was a pretty shallow thing ultimately, and it makes me wonder. Like this movie. Would you even describe this movie as a horror film? I know genre is kind of like BS anyway, but like I feel like this is more of a comedy than anything else. No, I think it definitely blurs the genre lines. Actually, it reminds me a lot of a similar movie, Ready or Not. I don't know if anyone's seen that one. I have have no idea what you're talking about. I think it's called Ready or Not. Oh, boy. He's it's gonna the come one, back and say it's, it's Ready the, Player One. No, Give us your sixty-second Ready or Not. Yeah, hold on, take a deep breath, yeah, and, and you okay. gotta explain this movie to right. us. Ready or Not stars Samara Weaving as a newlywed wife who's just uh, wed into a very wealthy family who has made their fortunes selling board games. Hold on, I'm so sorry. Is... Are you reading something? No, I'm making this up as I go. Okay, good, good. Go ahead. Okay, so they made their fortune selling board games. However, what the, is revealed to, through, to the viewers is that the success of their selling board games was actually a de- deal they made with the devil. And every time one of the family members wed someone, that they have to play a game where they draw a card. And one out of, I don't know how many of the cards, is hide and seek. And the rules are that they have to kill the newlywed, the, the person not of the family who's who is being married in, they have to kill them before sunrise or everyone in the family will, will die. That, that's, that's fun. Yeah. Wait, do they only have to do it if that person draws hide and seek? Yes. Uh, so if they don't draw hide and seek, they just become part of the family. Yes. Hmm. Well, there's, I mean, is there another game they have to play? Like They play whatever game is drawn from the thing. It could be anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think they make a joke like Tiddlywinks or something at one point. Maybe it's, it's just how terrible th- this timeline is that we live in, but I would almost rather the like, <laughs> what's that short story called? The 
greatest, the deadliest prey. Fuck. The hash thinking. The one with the hunting people. The most dangerous game. Yeah. I would almost rather that than playing tiddlywinks with my in-laws. Like, just shoot me with a crossbow or whatever. So you're saying that that, that is... Was that a movie or a TV show? But that was more of a comedy as well. Yeah, it's identified as a comedy horror, according to Wikipedia, because uh, I could not remember the actress's name. So that was one thing I looked up. Mm, but I, yep. mm-hmm. but what I was going to say was, so in this movie, it kind of seems that like, you know, there's been this system in place for so long, but ultimately it seems, you know, like it, it it's it's destined to eventually fail. And I won't say any spoilers, but you might guess how Ready or Not ends. And it's kind of a similar thing where it's like, you know, you can strive with all these rituals and all that, but, you know, nothing is forever, you know? So just thought it was interesting similarities. Hmm. There's a lot of horror comedies. Are we now looking up the genre? No, I mean, like the babysitter is one that I just know about and I like a lot. Well, I haven't seen that. It's really good. It came out with a sequel that I haven't seen yet. But it's... there was like Scream Queens too. I'm not sure if there's any actual horror in that or not. But yeah, it's a cool genre. I mean, I I horror movies are something I enjoy like reading about, and Steve probably knows this about me, where I like will read stuff on Wikipedia and stuff like that. But like I've I've got like no interest in actually consuming. I just want to like read these like crazy stories, and you know, not have to deal with the adrenaline pumping horror parts. What do you think it is? Like you're interested in the topic, but not the you don't really want to experience yeah, I it. I just I think it's interesting how people come up with new and creative ways to exploit this like primal these primal fears we have in us and i think it's really interesting how like a lot of really successful horror movies nowadays are like like you know analogies for grief and like anxieties and like i think there's a real sociological influence on horror movies and ones that are popular especially i mean the horror genre absolutely is just a manifestation of the current anxieties of the of like that of the culture of the author at the time of the writing. Yeah. I feel like that's like in the humanities, things don't usually get like definitively proved, but I feel like that one is, is definitely close. Yeah. But back to cabin in the woods. So I wanted to ask, so I, I, I had kind of an awkward segue. Um, no, this is so, good. so, so the, I thought it was interesting that like, cause like some of the monsters were like humanoids. Like I saw, like, you know, there was a bunch of, it was almost like a spot the horror movie thing among yep. the, the crowd. And like one of the ones I noticed was like the people in the masks, a la the strangers. Yep. And I thought it was interesting. How, like, like the implication that they didn't, like none of the other things went for them seemed to suggest that they knew that they were like some kind of supernatural thing or something. You know what I'm saying? I just thought it was Wait, interesting. What? One of the monsters yes. was like humanoids in masks. Yes. 
but like none of the monsters like like they they, they knew intrinsically oh, that that's didn't not food kill them yeah like the monsters weren't ever hurting each other they were all like no I got to kill all the humans i just thought that was interesting you know but i guess i i don't know like they're almost set up to just go after go after people even yeah. though they well, are they also can, people right there's like target selection in there um, i i want to jump in with adventures and parenting for one quick second oh interesting so I don't want this to define me, but I do have a child. I do have a child, and so we, my wife and I, watched this movie over one of her naps. But her naps are not ninety minutes long, and so she woke up, and there is like, I don't know, half an hour left in the movie, and somehow, the stars aligned, and my wife was like, "Oh, it's fine, go ahead," and so I would just like to share two my daughter's two observations regarding the final 30 minutes of cabin in the woods the first was so all the bad guys got released which reminds me of a point i would like to make but i will table it until the end of this so all the all the monsters have been released and so like the the human staff including the like armed guards are all fighting them off and it cuts to this area where all the elevators have like dumped out all the monsters and it's just a bunch of like blood and viscera and a couple of zombies like eating the remains that are there and my daughter who is uh, a year and a half old goes take a bite (laughs) and so that's definitely going to come up in therapy and then the second one is one of the monsters released is a unicorn that is not at all scary right and you see it and it's sort of a funny non sequitur as you're seeing all these like terrifying beasties running around killing people and then you see a unicorn and you're like haha look a unicorn and then it like lowers its head and impales someone and sure enough like it appears on the screen and then impales someone and my daughter laughs and it's like unicorn that is because that is a word she knows and so that's pretty much it that was the adventures in parenting is that my my daughter watched 30 minutes of what i believe is an r-rated horror movie the goriest 30 minutes i believe of the movie and and those were her those were her only reactions there was no there's no like covering of eyes or scared scared reactions or anything like that just take a bite eat it up yeah, right? Well, she's just as completely destroyed internally as I am. <laughs> oh my. Steve just killed, like, always with the, like, Steve is, like, the kind of, the kind of dark humor where it's, like, you're wearing, you're wearing plate armor. And you're, like, you're probably fine. Like, you're fine. And you're mm-hmm. just, like, dancing with someone. And then, like, and you're like, oh, this is an interesting, this is a nice experience. And then they stick, like, a long, just poisoned dagger in between your plate pieces and it just like touches the bottom of your heart you can feel yourself seizing as as your life you know flashes before you and you vomit up black blood can you roll back what are you describing right now 
What is oh, happening? Steve's, Steve's uh, sense Steve's of humor. Dark humor. Yeah, Steve's dark humor. I, I followed the okay. bit. I followed okay. the bit. Don't Thank worry. You. It's like it's like it's very it's like it's like a it's like a it's a it's a very clear understood conversation, and then at the very end of it, you are suddenly being stabbed. I get it now, and I on it. I respect that. Thank you very much for that compliment. I don't need it. I don't need your. I don't need you. <laughs> You see, and that's like a classic Brentism. <laughs> what is a Brentism? What would you describe as? A... Now that I've failed, like now that I've you know, fuck this movie. Now that I've terribly described your 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 mm-hmm. that that particular bit that you do. What, what is a Brentism? So, excellent question, Brent. So, I think a Brentism in this scenario is a sort of like revulsion at the idea of a compliment while maintaining a facade of pleasant jovial like appearance you know like outwardly so Hold like you'll wait, make wait a that... minute yeah. wait a minute My, mine was a joke thing this is this is too real <laughs> this is this no is... no guys i'm hijacking the podcast remember years ago when i discussed what i wanted the podcast to be and i thought it was like a slightly more serious mabimbam here we are <laughs> pull up a chair everyone we're having a quick intervention brent why can't you take a compliment why can't you oh, let the love in i think the forestism is a it's where no 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 we, let's go back let's go back let's circle around we can get to me i'm okay but let's do you first <laughs> i think i think that's a forestism <laughs> Forestism, I think, at least to me, since I'm since this is my this is my new bit, is I think. I swear it's to just God, me. if this is not real as fuck, I'm gonna I'm gonna be so mad. <laughs> well, the problem is I don't have the same sort of like deep penetrating insights into Forest, probably because he might be the least damaged member of the podcast crew today. He but, might be, yeah. Forrest might. Forrest does scream normie, stable, happy. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, it could also, you know, alternatively, it could be that I have the highest walls, you know. That oh, that's true. true. Mm-hmm. That's so true. You have mm-hmm. two R's on the highest walls. I'm, I'm very surprised Stephen even said that because I've lived like the most sheltered life. I've lived yeah, an extremely I, I... tarmed life. But I do get Dane from Dane. I feel just a like a seething boiling fury like i think that only is <laughs> is that coming from dane <laughs> yeah that's from dane that's like i think dane is is like like that only comes from like a sheltered i think sheltered existence that is also like privy to injustice and he's just like i think dane is like just one superpower away from killing every kind of like all the rich people in the world like oh. just and and there being not a single iota of of like hesitation or regret, like if you gave mm-hmm. this man laser eyes, the next tomorrow, 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 <laughs> Mitch McConnell is a smoking pair of Oxfords. <laughs> exactly. It's like no, he's the you Hulk. don't even need you don't even need to take care of the finger puppets. You just got to kill the puppeteers. You mean the, so, the just the fingers themselves? The people paying, <laughs> the people writing him the checks. Uh, just the Mar- the Marlboro the Marlboro factory <laughs> up in smokes. <laughs> hey yo! <laughs> Woo! Got back, 
back to back to Steve's thing real quick. Steve's mm-hmm. Steve is like Steve is like a teddy bear, but then the teddy bear RKO's you, which is a wrestling move. It's now back to wrestling. <laughs> I fucking did it. Uh, just but let's for... go. Let's go back to Brent, though. Uh, that's really what uh, I wait, a about. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. What to, I want to hear this commentary. Steve was pausing about the monsters being released. Yeah, I do want to hear about that too. Oh, okay, great. Okay, so I. As I frantically type in the show notes for Forrest to back off of me. <laughs> like, All right, I'm getting another beer. I need one for this conversation that's coming ooh, up. Whiskey could just sound pretty good. Yeah. Okay, so here's my beef. I work adjacent to the industry that would make a like massive prison for supernatural beasts. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. Hold on, I'm so sorry. You're going to have to start that whole sentence again. Okay. It's a pretty <clears> ridiculous <throat> thing you just said. I work in an industry adjacent to the one that would supply a massive automated prison of supernatural beasts. Said one more way, I have a unique set of skills. <laughs> But anyway, so the point the point I'm trying to make is there is no reason there should be a single button that just opens all the doors at once. <laughs> you might say to yourself, well, well, Steve, there's a button like that in prisons. And to that I would say, yes, you ignorant fuckstick, because inside prisons are human beings. Inside this panopticon are nothing but, like, literally inhuman terrors from the, quote, old world. If this place were burning down, the best course of action would be to just leave you like in what universe are you like oh we've got to save the untold horrors from beyond the stars no one no one is gonna save those no one should save those worst case scenario if if there's like i don't know covid19 but for fucking gargoyles and it kills all your kills all your supernatural beasts the old ones that live in the core of the planet might still be okay if you just execute a bunch of kids or you do it your goddamn selves. Like, oh, you touched the Jimmy with a machete stick. Run away. Here comes Jimmy. Ah! Like, you get off your ass and start hacking up some horny teens. You still have all this technology. You think So you think the old ones would be fine with some paid actors? Uh, who wouldn't well, be them- fine with some paid actors? On the monster side, Bre- yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, Brent, I, they're all paid actors. Like it's a, <laughs> it's a movie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you broke him. You broke Brent. <laughs> I'm gonna go get my beer. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna get my whiskey.
Forrest, you have to unmute your mic and participate now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm back with my beer. I just didn't want to jump in because I didn't know what – I don't actually know what Steve was talking about. I, yeah, I, I have that effect sometimes. I'm sorry. No, no. I mean, I was just literally no, coming good. in halfway through. No, I mean, it's it's like the Michael Scott quote. Like, I will I will start sentences not knowing where they're going to finish. <laughs> and I just hope I find them along the way. Yeah. I mean, I was wondering about the, the old gods, too, and sort of what was supposed to come first in the logic of the movie. The old gods, and then people come up with horror movie tropes based off of those from the stuff of their nightmares, or if they were just poking fun. I suppose it could be both. I, I mean, on some level, I'm sure it's a it's a matter of don't look too closely at this. But if anything, I would feel that like as the old gods stirred in their slumber, there were some like poor benighted individuals that had very vivid visions of what had to happen, and they like trial and errored it a little bit. They because they had to, right? <laughs> they did some A B testing. Yeah, and I had this I had this discussion with my wife when I was like, "Is this every day?" Is this once a year? I said once a year. Oh, it was once a year. Okay. Better luck they... next year. Oh yeah. Okay. So they have like so like you have a whole year before the old god wakes up, which begs the question: Why did you start so late in the game? Again, I mean, maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's part of the whole thing, right? Because they have like to they... follow a certain you know trajectory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It has so, to be. Here's real close. Here's one line I thought was very interesting, and I want to hear what you guys think, because it might be, I think there might be a simple explanation for it, but I think there might be something. So at one point, do you remember when the stoner character, I don't remember his name, looks up at the night sky and he says, I thought there'd be stars? Mm -hmm. What did you think that meant? Ooh. Hmm. Because one way I perceived the story is that when they say the old world, they mean literally like our world right now and something like apocalyptic happened. And we like are in this like new place where we have to appease the old ones. You know, like that's one way I interpreted it. I, my question is really just why would he, if stars weren't a part of this post-apocalyptic world, why would the stoner guy be like into that? Like, hey, how come there aren't any stars? If they weren't a thing, right? I thought it was just an expectation on his end that, like, oh, if you go out into nature, I thought there'd be stars. And it's sort of pointing at the idea that this is an artificial environment. Right. That's the yeah. That's, that's another that's way to interpret that's it. That's the boring normie version. Mm-hmm. I just got back. I did. Did Forrest participate, or did you talk a lot, Steve? I mean, I said a couple things. I said something here and there. I think Brent, the... it, Brent, you're just trying to. Huh? I feel like you're uh-huh. just trying to take the focus off of yourself. Oh no! Until we ultimately get to what a Brent Brentism is. This is what what I'm saying is that this has turned out to be the Steve podcast for this oh, last. I yeah no I totally agree. I'm gonna shut up. <laughs> no, I'm not mad at you, Steve. You're amazing, perfect, without you know, above and beyond I, reproach. He is. Uh, he is mm-hmm. perfection. Yeah. You're saying it's me and Dane? No, you guys talked a lot too. If anything, I don't know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I smell a Brentism coming. <laughs> oh, no. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
No, but you said apprenticeism was like reliant on a compliment and then me refracting that compliment. But there's no compliment being paid here. I'm just about to shit on myself. <laughs> I mean, don't do that. Don't do that. This is a safe place. You don't have to you don't have to you don't have to kick yourself down. Yeah, we're here to build each other up. I think I might. Yeah, of course. No, definitely. I think I, I think I might make like a pop culture cake <laughs> after after dark. After hours. Yeah, we're talking like, about something other than this godforsaken movie, which is a great movie, but just like isn't something you can talk about because is damn, forsaken by like God. One thing happened. No, I think yeah. there's. I don't know. I I really I really enjoyed the commentary. I really enjoyed interpreting it. I think that's sort of the joy of close watching or close reading or close listening or whatever. Oh, uh, right, because I just watched it like I finished it like an hour before the podcast. No, I think the close a close watcher close read is like where you you overly analyze oh it's not even overly but it is just bringing some degree of scholarship or critical thought to in this case like an entertainment medium right like a like a very close read of jurassic park is that it is actually about the patriarchy it's actually extremely anti-capitalist you that's everything so Mm -hmm. yes um everything i like yes yes Hundred percent, everything. <laughs> but it's also like, like where like to the point of like watching like Grant, like Grant's positioning to the only to the only, to Doctor Adler, or whatever her name is, which is also I think feeding into that read because uh, I can't remember her name, and where where like she is always for a lot of the time in frame like smaller than Grant, and so it's like Grant's point of view, it's Grant's vision. It's Grant's gaze that matters. But I've seen some interesting counter arguments to that. But yeah, close read is just something like that. Which when I, when I was young, I was always like, this is dumb. <laughs> but now that I'm older, I'm like, yeah, I, f- I feel you. I well, enjoy wait, you thought what was dumb? Close reads of things. Like the oh. chair in the chair in the Edgar Allan Poe short story where there's a, a knocking. The, the raven? Yeah, something like that. Like the chair represents his his masculinity alone in the dark, or some bullshit. I'm like, well, this is stupid. I don't. What is it? It's just a chair. <laughs> <laughs> but now that I'm older, I'm like, huh. I mean, as someone who does, so I'm not sure. I know Steve knows this about me, but like one of my oldest hobbies is forum role playing. So I do a fair bit of of writing, and you know, I put a lot of characters over the year. And one of my favorite things and to do in the whole writing thing is is stuff like that the you know you you go off on these these seemingly you know bizarre tangents but they're really you know finger to the throat means death you know like metaphors it's good stuff stuff. in my mind when he said the word metaphors he like did jazz hands essentially metaphors i i no i was just Guardians of the Galaxy is some beautiful cinema, and I was transported oh. back. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy is also a very good, like, a very good thing to close read, like as it relates to trauma and family dynamics. I think a forcedism. Oh yeah, what's a for, what's a forcedism to you? I have one. I think, I think forcedism is a a reinforcement of a bit, but like in a very charming, like like a suave way. But it's like. It's like, it's like, it's like, uh, that's it for me, actually. Steve, you go. It's like, it's like not letting a bit go, but not in a way that's annoying, in a way that's kind of like cheerful. 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay. You do have a certain positivity about you. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and he also just like just like like in general, not just as it relates to me this one time. <laughs> but Steve, you, you you have so my my take on a foristism is treating a bit like a business meeting. <laughs> like well just part of it is literally like using the vocabulary of a business meeting, which I think a a close listen to the podcast will show that. But I think it is also this sort of like professionalism brought to the bits that like we can talk about all like we will often devolve into like violence and tragedy and pure absurdism. And Forrest just takes that as the universe and reacts to it as like on like, you know, sort of like unemotionally or whatever. So, like, for example, we had the beginning of this with the with the Brentism bit, and we're all like, ha, 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 ha. And then Forrest's like, well, actually, can we circle back to that one for a second? <laughs> I'd like to, t- yeah. I have another we'll thought I'd just like to throw more. in there. Yeah, exactly. We're not going yeah. to take that offline. We're going to, that's um, online right now. Yeah, yeah. You know what? We'll stick a pin in it, but let's circle back. And then I have a hard out at five today, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's a Danism? I mean, I, I, my, my initial reaction is to be like, it's leftist uh, propaganda. But like, that's just that's just me being that's just me poking, poking at Dane. That's not actually poking a the bear over here. <laughs> I think a Danism is finding a hill and then not and then refusing to to do anything but die on that hill. I think a good phrase that's appropriate to me is, "I can't quit you." Yeah, and, and the you in this is the hill that he's chosen. <laughs> I mean, you take a look at my relationships, and yeah, you'll see it. Oh, this is getting dark too. I... <laughs> yeah. This is, in fact, pop culture cake after dark. <laughs> yeah, I think we honestly, when we throw it to Adam to edit these, we just say there are two episodes in here. You'll know when the second one starts. <laughs> and see what he makes. No, it's going to be one episode. It's just going to be a fucking tragedy. <laughs> I feel like this is this episode is off the rails like like Death Note was off the rails, but in a much more casual way. Like we're in Death Note, we were all actively on off the rails together. In this one, we've each taken, besides Steve, taken a break to go do something. Like when I said I get my mm-hmm. beer, I, what I really meant was Coles for for my hookah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's like your I, emotional. I beer. actually got whiskey though. Like, yeah, Dane did, did get whiskey. What kind of whiskey are you drinking, Dane? I'm drinking Kirkland's Irish whiskey. Oh. Kirkland, the fine folks that bring you Costco. Yes, I like me a lot of Kirkland stuff. To be honest with you, Kirkland has not done me wrong yet. I do wonder. Mm, I'm if not we familiar have a with their work. You've never been to a Costco. I feel like I've been to a Sam's Club, but not a Costco. Ooh, Costco is like a Sam's Club, but nice. Ooh. Yeah, I'd be down for that. Costco like a, also leftist politics here pays their workers decent wage. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, and there's like there's like a bunch of like nice people in like before COVID was a thing, like COVID wear, just handing out samples of things, like just and it's always like there's like there's like three good samples, and then there's like an energy drink that tastes like pills. You know what I mean? <laughs> so oddly specific. And then, but then you've, you've like your last sample was like a nice jalapeno sausage, 
but the the energy drink I mean, it's not like energy drink isn't carbonated it's like you know what i mean like pilly non-carbonated energy drink so like it's a powder and you mix it in with the water and whatever but that lady that nice that nice woman has seen you eat the jalapeno sausage and to then not continue on to them and their disgusting like fucking vaguely fruit flavored pill water is like heartbreaking so you have to go over there you have to act like you're excited then you drink the pill water and then you're like oh what aisle is this pill water in as you like like as you like as your throat must every muscle in your throat actively tries to v- make you vomit and <laughs> And she's like, are, oh, are you speaking from a very specific incident? Are you recounting a situation that has happened to you? I think that's my I think that's another that's the other Brentism is that I my bits are just like your bits are fair. describing something very specific that I feel like may have happened to you. But they're yeah, also probably hasn't. They're, they're experiential. It's almost like a synesthesia sort of thing, right? Like he described a Stevism <laughs> yeah. as Dan- as like an intimate dance and then at the very end you feel the point of a of a dagger like right beneath your beating heart the way brent engages with the world is sort of through that like through those like vignettes right it's not like a steveism is when steve tells a story and you think it's one thing but then it turns out to be a grim meditation on the hopelessness of existence yeah so I was like getting, I went to this grocery store and I was picking up fruit for my family. By the way, I'm mm. a father. And, and the mother of my child, again, I'm a father, called me and said, make sure to grab some sort of apple. And then my father never called me or spoke to me again. Wait, are you the father? I'm <laughs> Steve's father. I, I am both a father and a son in this <laughs> Okay. <laughs> hey, your grandpa situation. Are you my father? Uh-huh. No, 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 no. Brent, he's at the Aldi. He's got <laughs> fruit in his hand. <laughs> because if I were your father, I wouldn't be speaking to you right now. <laughs> uh-huh. Nice. As I just described in that bit. That, mm, maybe we uh, are related. That that had Steve energy to it at the end. That's, that's the whole point. <laughs> I was just doing a, I was doing a Stevenson. There's a wrestler named Kenny Omega. Oh, for fuck's sake. Mm, tell me about Kenny Omega. That his finishing move is... Googling it right now. The One-Winged Angel. A what? reference to Sephi Roth from Final Fantasy. Sephi for short. Sephi mm. as, we, as, we, as we call him, because we're on close terms. He also like, he has like a, like a running knee strike that he calls the V-Trigger. Like his whole... Is, it's, like, it's like he's a great wrestler, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of interesting things about him, but like all of his move set is just like, I like JRPGs and Japanese video games, and he also mm-hmm. wrestled in Japan for a very extended period of time. But recently, he like has like redone his intro to where there's like a announcer, like running up his his accolades, and it includes things like best wrestler of 2018, broken the five star rating multiple times, and then one of the lines is he once wrestled in North Carolina. Full stop, and then moves on to other, like more, more noteworthy accolades. <laughs> and they have a certain amount of time they have to fill. No, it's just it's just like I feel like if anything, if anything, that he because he's such a big star in the company that he's in, he's 
this is eating up time that maybe other wrestlers could have had to do something with. But, but it's an announcer. It's not even him. I, it, I, I think it's, it's, a de- it's obviously on purpose. It's just like you as a, as a wrestling fan are listening to this fucking thing that any other wrestler might say he once wrestled in North Carolina stuff like pops out. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> and I don't know what that has to do with anything that we're talking about. I just was thinking about it. Yeah, I I I don't know. I, I like I I don't really understand how this fits in with you standing in the Aldi with the fruit in your hand, calling Steve or somebody else at the same no, time. It absolutely does not. Mm-hmm. I can't do with that. But I do want to. I like this movie. I honestly like. This is the third time I've watched it. it anymore i don't like it you guys have convinced me we, I, I like how like we things now <laughs> all throughout the movie throughout the movie throughout the podcast we've been like it's a pretty good thing and at the end for is like it's fucking terrible yeah i don't like it you guys have convinced me. You guys made me think it's, it's well terrible. no i'm not saying it's a bad movie i'm just saying i don't like it anymore <laughs> important difference we ruined ruined movies I do think it is glib. I think it's very, I think the movie is glib. I think the movie is like, it's like, oh, we're commenting on all of these things. But it's not really. (laughs) God, we should call this episode just like, you know, we kick back, have a few beers, you know, have a few laughs. laughs. Have a few cries. This has been a couple beers at the cabin. It's been an experience. I really want Adam to join and then start trying to have like a professional conversation about this movie and engage us again. And just like have our reaction to him being like, all right. He might not know that we're recording still. You know what I mean? He might have gotten home at, what is it, nine his time and been like, oh, they're probably done. These episodes are usually 45 minutes long. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, not this one. Nope. This is going to be a bear to edit. I mean, this is an extended. I think the best way to handle this podcast, Adam, you're listening, which is, by the way, I think a great role to be in is like is when you see like a YouTuber or podcasters and they have a fucking editor and they're like, hey, Adam, cut this out. (laughs) I love wait, wait, wait. I love you saying it's a great role to be in listening to this podcast because, you know, that is what we're trying to do. Produce something that's entertaining for people. I really hope that's a good role to be in. (laughs) I think I think the editor. I had to pick one. If I had to pick one being like. You know, somebody who's participating or somebody who's listening. I guess I would choose listening, but you know, then I wouldn't have the uh, then I wouldn't have I would have the privilege of having this conversation with you today. I think I think I think the editing is actually going to be super easy, Adam. Just don't if you're listening, don't which you are. Don't. Good thing this is at the end. (laughs) I was just thinking, I was like, oh man, you sure saved him a lot of time by putting that at the end. Now, really now it's this really podcast, an elaborate test this podcast is actually just being recorded and released for just the purpose raw. of test real time uh, for the worldwide baby test. live from the, the center of the earth <laughs> yeah for this the, is just a stream i mean looking at our looking at our statistics not that i want to get too deep too deep in our background information okay nate note. silver give me the statistics oh <laughs> i don't get this nate silver bit dane is apparently dead <laughs> It's it, it was it was it was a good one. I got Just, a good oh American statistics. I got him. Is this guy Republican? Because he looks <laughs> massive piece of shit. Is what he is. He looks he looks like a fucking Republican. 
Oh man, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen his face. He's oh, balding he's... in a particular oh, way. That is, look, look. As a man, look, I I feel confident. Like I'm not here to shame anybody, but as a man who has balded, this is not a. Oh, he did not bald gracefully. This is not a graceful way to bald, my friend. This is Nate. Just Nate, shame. I know you're listening it. because this this podcast is known for its hot takes. <laughs> On Michael Bay's filmography, <laughs> just buzz and, it. Dude. And William Defoe's just buzz. William Dis- yeah, William Defoe's horse just cock. Just buzz <laughs> your hair. I feel like your skull shape is actually fine. If you were to just buzz your head right now, Nate, listen to me. Buzz your head. As a man who wanted long hair more than anything in his whole life and had to shave it, I think you would be much happier, much freer. You might even decide to not be a cunt. I don't know you. I don't know anything about your political views, but you give me cunt vibes. Like, real bad energies, my guy. Just shave it. Do a Jason Statham, brother. Let it That's, go. I have that escape hatch in my life as it gets thinner and thinner that one day, you know, the, the my wife Statham is going to look at me in the eyes and gently shake her head from side to side. I'm going to shave all my hair off on my head. Not everywhere. <laughs> Famously, there's not enough razors in the world. Yeah, Yeah, the razor won't last. (laughs) Which is also going to be the worst part because I don't want to get rid of the beard. So it's just, it's a very small, like hairless area. And then I also have to figure out where the beard starts without the head hair to kind of anchor it. Oh no, dude! I I went through that. I went mm-hmm. through that. I'll take I'll take pictures of my skull for you, and you can kind of. I recall when you first did it. Are you yeah. happy with the beard? The beard localization technique. You I mean, you watch. I'm, I'm assuming you watch a little bit of binging with Babish. Mm-hmm. I mean, that man is is absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. It's the he is. He is. the bald he is. head beard look. Is yeah, the the Hollywoodian is truly is truly underrated. I would not be afraid. I would not. And this is like this is like I hem and hawed about shaving my head for damn near a decade. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. And on the other side of the tunnel here. Shaving my head was a much more deep, complex narrative than uh, Cabin in the Woods. Are you happy for it? <laughs> I brought it back. That? Okay, okay, okay. But I want to hear the statistics. Good. I want to hear your statistics. I'm not going to give any numbers away because I don't want to oust us for how low our viewer count is. But mm. Death, Note, Death Note has nearly twice as many, like, twice as many hmm. listens. I guess Death Note's got that good, good SEO. We should probably talk about things that people like, you know, care about. I think it has a lot to do with the randomness of that episode, which you would think is like not something that's that's easily communicated by the sheer blandness of the title. But I think it I think it garnered like repeat like repeat listenings. Hmm. Wow. Uh, like this movie. I feel like, like we <laughs> Well in that case in that case we've really captured something here with kind of our random commentary at the end. What I kinda wanna do here okay, Adam, if you're listening, <laughs> here's what I want you to do. <laughs> I want you to edit out all talk about the movie and then where are we? <laughs> what is this podcast anymore? <laughs> Garfield minus uh Yeah, Garfield without Garfield. No, I I wanna go back to my idea. Adam, this is two episodes. <laughs> One of which we don't them. release. Well, no, it's two. It's two. Ba- 
bangers. Two banger episodes, but they're like Siamese twins, so you're going to have to <laughs> surgically separate them. And, and honestly, much like Siamese twins, if you can kill only one of them, that's still a success. I get... I, mm. I, I, I have to say, like, I went from... Like, my argument is that this would be a very easy podcast to edit because you just leave it alone. And you two are like, how about you completely censor... Forrest, do you remember what it was like censoring? The... Well, censoring is bad. No, censoring is not good. Bad, bad, not good. The problem, and especially in Discord. But the problem, but the problem is the second half of the second half of this conversation has multiple references to the first half of this conversation. So he would have to go through the well, second I mean, half but, of this okay. conversation. Have you never have you never read a short novel where they drop you in in the middle of something? Uh, you like, know I don't read. Okay, yeah, I guess I didn't know that. He watches wrestling. But... You know he doesn't read. <laughs> uh, yeah. okay, okay, have you ever watched a wrestling match where you didn't under you didn't know the backstory of, a, of the correct character, but you had to pick it up from context clues? I feel like that's the situation here, right? Now that you're speaking my language, I understand. And then I mean, Sharktopus was yeah. like our second our second highest success. I cannot believe that. That is that is some injustice. <laughs> It's that tied with unique. It's tied with unique listeners to, with our Jurassic Park, but it has more streams. And hmm. then, and then it's like a little bit of a downtick in from there. From there, <laughs> people are like, "Oh, that's what you're about." Yeah, Than- and Thanos it. has has an uptick in streams, but Ooh. unique listeners is pretty static. There's this whole thing about, you know, if you release an app that has push notifications, I'm going somewhere with this. If you release an app with push notifications, every time you push a notification to everybody, a good percentage of your user base deletes your app. And the reason is that those people remembered that they installed your app. And they're like, God damn it. Why do I still have this thing when they see something from you? I feel like maybe that's it. Everyone, every episode, everyone's like, why do I still listen to this podcast? And then you delete it, unsubscribe. I think I do like that. I do like that in 36 minutes into us doing the whatever the fuck this is, you were like, let me start this. Let me start this bit. And then let me remind everyone that it's going somewhere like that stopped any one of us from saying any of the things that we've said. <laughs> I'm not trying to stop you, dude. I'm just trying to, I'm just saying. No, I'm not saying you're trying to stop us. I'm just saying, like, Steve didn't give that warning. I didn't give that warning when he started talking about fucking fruit and Costco. Like, brother, <laughs> brother I was with you. <laughs> like, no matter what, where you went, I was on board. Uh-huh. You're ride or die. Ride yeah, or die. I was ride about to say ride or die, too, to be cool with the kids. Yes, you guys ever struggle with the fact that we're old? <laughs> <laughs> that, that we're what? That we're, that we're old. No, we're not. We're old? not though. We are clearly old. If we think about it like this, in a in an alt in an alternate not an alternate time, in just thirty years ago, we would not be old. We would still be at the forefront of counterculture. Be, wait, in thirty years ago, we'd be fucking like in a fetus. no 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 Dane, Dane oh. fuck you, Dane fuck yourself. I'm saying if we were our age thirty years ago, oh you fucking imp. So if, if we were our age. It's about halfway through my whiskey, yes. <laughs> if we were our age 30 years ago, we would still be at the forefront of like counterculture and all and like we would be like on MTV, like we would be be the voices, right? What? <laughs> I'm saying. What wait, why? How? Yeah. <laughs> because 
No, not us specifically. I'm saying our age group. We, we have would to explain be, this bit. I'm not getting we it. Would be, oh. We would be. We would be in a college <laughs> dorm. I thought we MTV. Wait, we're. Hold on. Just wait, hear me out. A bunch of thirty-somethings no, no. <laughs> chilling <laughs> in a college dorm. What the? I'm sorry. We'd be in a basement playing Dungeons and Dragons. What I'm saying is that people our age would still be controlling, to a large extent, the popular culture of the of that era, right? Because in the 50s, in the 60s, in the 70s, and the 80s, things moved in cycles like they always have, but those cycles were longer, right? But post-2000 and the dissemination of all media at the scale that it is, and all culture at the scale that it is, and the advent of the internet, right? Cycles move now very quickly. Like having a generational gap is, was already super muddy for millennials. And God forbid you ask a Gen X or a boomer what a fucking millennial is. They'll think a millennial is someone who was born in 2040 for the rest of their fucking life. Like anybody, anybody born ever now is a millennial. But generational gaps are becoming so much muddier. You know, like what is a Gen Z? When does that start? When did that end? You know, they're cycling much quicker. No longer are 25-year-olds, 26-year-olds allowed. Like they no longer control the popular culture. They are like have aged out of it. It's like uh, it's like esports. Like if you're 21, you're fucking dead. You've Logan runned yourself out of the fucking conversation. You know, like the 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 cycling is like happening at a rate that is like insane. Like your your elder your elder statesman of what's popular is fucking Logan Paul. You know, like he's he's got to be two or three years away from not being relevant. He's only 25. You know, I think it's just happening quicker. You know, yeah. it's, it's rotating faster. I agree. It is happening faster. But I also think that allows us to be in a better position than our parents ever were because of I think it's I think it's more about rate of change than than the change itself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I also don't think there's that much of a distinction between a, a zoomer and a millennial in terms of like rough ideology. Like like I remember that there was this like fucking internet chef who's like younger like our age and a little bit younger than us. And he was like, that's that, that, that millennials and zoomers are like, take part in what he was, what he called terminal awareness is what he called it. I think where it's like, if you were to ask a millennial, you know, Hey, here's a piece of cake. And, but if you eat it, you'll die. And a millennial, I will ask what's the flavor of the cake, right? Like not completely, not completely saying no outright. He's still, he's willing to die for the, for the right cake. And a Zoomer is like, you know, will it hurt? Because they're just, they've already assumed that death is coming. You know, like they're so aware now of like the machinations and the different, the different like puppeteers and influencers that to, to a large extent, there's obviously a bunch of idiots across all generations that, you know, nothing really changes. But we're like so aware of the fact that everything is fucked and is controlled and it's fucked that we're we're all like this, you know, Gen Xers were like back in the day, just like drinking wine and watching sex in the city. And my, my humor style is to constantly talk about killing myself. Like, it's like a, it's like a, it's a whole, well, you know, it is what it is. It's just like a different type of energy. And, but there, but the zoom, what I feel like is that the Gen Z is like, they're feeling that frustration at a rate that includes the people who agree with them. Like my general take is that most younger millennials, most millennials agree with Gen Z attitudes, but 
we're too old for them to allow us into the circle. Like we're not really a part of them still. Like there's still that generational division where like the generation before us hates us. They hate us. But generally, I don't think millennials hate Gen Z kids. Like we don't, we don't, you know what I mean? We're the punching bag for fucking 20 years of every other generation. There's no way that we would look to the next one and be like, back in my day, you had a top five and you liked it. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's true. I think that's a little bit self-aggrandizing. Right, like right now, we are where Generation X was when we were young. Right, like baby boomers are movers and shakers. Gen X was kind of forgotten, and the millennial generation was like new, and no one cared about them because they're literal babies, right? Then we just moved. And now, like, as the boomers die off, I think we're going to come to terms with what an elder Gen Xer is. The millennials are going to be, like, not interesting, right? We're going to all be watching wine and drinking Sex in the City. And then Gen Z is going to start making the transition from literal babies to, like, the fucking tastemakers, right? To Brent's original point, these windows are shifting earlier in time while but the I'm planet saying, slows I'm... down. What? But what? I feel like, I feel like, so are you saying, Steve... That they haven't become old enough, old enough yet for us to resent them, mm-hmm. but it will come. Absolutely, just like how, for a while, like Gen X hasn't given a shit about us, but is eventually going to resent us. Just like we are I eventually going you. to resent Gen Z, who's going to rep- resent Gen Alpha. I don't know what the fuck yeah. we do next. Alpha, but like no, but Gen X, no, no I dis- I disagree. Here's why I disagree. I disagree. Mm-hmm. In the sense that I think Gen Z are the tastemakers. Now they're already the tastemakers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like e like e girl culture, all of this like weird like like evolution of weeb shit like that is super like cool for them. Great, I love it. I, I was alive for scene stuff. You know what I mean? I'm not going to judge anything. But like Gen X, because they were the forgotten generation, adopted the attitudes of baby boomers hard and were super critical critical of us the entire time. Like Gen X is Gen, ostensibly Gen X raised some of us, and they were the ones complaining about like, oh these fucking kids and their their participation trophies. Like motherfuckers, you gave us those trophies, you know. Like they've always adopted that we're lazy, we're like we're the we're too busy with our phones, like that type of stuff. For from from the get, you know what I mean. Gen Xers will cling to the fact that they're not millennials, even if they're a year away from the millennial cutoff. Zillennials. Yes, millennials. And whereas I think maybe, and you know, definitely millennial, there are going to be 100% a bunch of millennials who are super bitter towards Gen Z and want, to, and want to, in a weird way, adopt the Gen X mentality, which is just like oh, the weird leftovers of baby boomer mentality. But, you know, those, those people were fucking boring to begin with. So, like, I, I, I think that they already are the tastemakers. We were pushed out very quickly in terms of like controlling, controlling what is popular. And quickly is still like an eight-year, nine-year run. You know what I mean? Like 2006 to 2015, 2014, we were the, we were the, the, we were it, you know? But that's the end of it. You know what I mean? Like we had early YouTube and then the rise of YouTube and we, we, we were no longer popping. And I think Vine is probably what I would point to as like the last hurrah where like there were still middling 
like 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 young millennials controlling the pop the popular what's popular and then they were out you know right i think that was sort of what i was getting at with the idea that the, these windows of taste making are shifting earlier and earlier like the like the generation the younger and younger members of the generation are entering that tastemaker space i think because a originally kids were the spectacular like all of their income is disposable because they're they're fucking kids but it's all gatekeep gate kept by parents and so to like you know to do a thing that appeals to kids you have to appeal to the parents too and that's always like hamstrung this development now through like youtube and Fortnite and whatever like it goes it completely circumvents and now it's like mom i need your credit card or whatever right and so you fucking jack right into the base of the skull of the like tweens and they're the ones driving the bus now they're racking up those sweet sweet youtube ad bucks where you know various pauls i don't know get like electrocuted in the nutsack i don't even know what they do on youtube these days but that's just but that just points back to like like young xers and mm-hmm. and elder millennials watching like dumb jackass I mean, mm-hmm. But like, I, but I think, but I think, what I'm saying is that yes, we, I think we both agree that the 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 rotations are happening more quickly. I think where I disagree is that we we are like the forerunners of that space, and as such, we have we were like tempered to be more accepting of that space. As an elder, like a like middle millennial, whatever I am, I don't care about Twitch. Twitch doesn't bother me. I think it's cool. Mm-hmm. Like I, don't, I think all of these things are interesting and fun, and that just because I'm no longer part of the group that controls and defines and popularizes that medium, I don't feel the bitterness at all. And granted, maybe when I'm closer to death, I will, but I don't think I don't see that for myself. Whereas I think a 28 year old Xer watching an 18 year old, like a 15 year old, 17 year old millennial on MySpace was probably like, "What the fuck is this?" Like, you know what I mean? Like, just full on. Uh- I was just going to say, I think that that pattern is going to repeat just faster, right? That, like, I now, for a while, like, it took me time to accept TikTok. Partly because I learned about Vine after it was already gone, and I fell in love, and it was just like Nirvana for my mother, who fell in love and then, like, one day realized (laughs) the grim truth that there would be no more Nirvana music coming out. The grim truth that Courtney Love murdered Kurt Cobain. Brent, I have never, I didn't think I could love you more than I do than I did before this episode. But thank you. <laughs> what? Truth, yeah, dude. There's no way the shotgun is too long. There's no way he did it. You, you, what, you pull it with his fucking toes? No. Exactly. What the fuck? No way, dude. Wait, no is this way. a thing? Yeah. Yeah, she Absolutely. did it. <laughs> Okay, this is fine. This is a good thing. This is a thing. But what what's going on? What's tell me more about your acceptance of TikTok? Yeah, wow, that went places. I felt myself getting older when I was exposed to TikTok, and I had that literal reaction of like, "What the fuck is this?" I later learned, mm-hmm. I think partly because us burnt out millennials jumped on it, and we're like, "Oh, we can make the same sort of postmodern humor we did before. We don't even actually need to add a song to the background. We can just have regular audio." But, like, that's a subset of it. 
right? Like there are jokes about like straight TikTok and gay TikTok and then old people TikTok. <laughs> which is which is twenty five year olds. Yeah, which is twenty five year olds. I am old. I'm too old for old people TikTok. Wow. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying mm-hmm. though, is that we are we are too like you are that's what I'm saying, is that mm-hmm. you are an elder now, right? Yeah. You are no longer in the position of power. Mm-hmm. But we're still able to overcome your dislike or distaste of a mm-hmm. thing of a media and enjoy it to some extent. Whereas like there are people still complaining about us looking at our phones and they never got over it. Yeah. My question was oh. going to be when you say, when you say like you felt yourself having to kind of accept TikTok, was it like, I don't understand what this is or was it more like, I don't understand what this is. And also I hate the people who are using it. Definitely the latter. And that's why I, that's what shook me was that moment where I was like, this is, I don't understand this fully and I don't like it. And that's, it's the principal. It doesn't help that initially TikTok ads were like girls dancing to music. It still is. Now there's one of them clothing stores like American Eagle or Hollister or whatever. They have like a big TV screen in the doorway and it's just playing TikToks from one of those girls that dances. The famous, the famousest one. We, in my household, we have a nickname for her that's based on an obscure YouTube comedian. (laughs) So that's not going to work on this wide public forum. But I don't know. She has like black hair. She's probably not old yeah, enough Demilio. to drink Demilio or whatever is she old enough to identify De- as a woman though that's the real Demilio. question yeah De- 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 yeah, it's like a Demilio or whatever Demilio Demilio whatever yeah but yeah. so like I I was in the mall because you may have picked up that I'm dad and so <laughs> I and malls still exist <laughs> yeah <laughs> malls well no because you see I and malls are like artifacts to us too yeah, well, especially now here in this post-COVID fucking wasteland. But no, the mall, A, is sanitized every night, and B, opens for walkers before the stores open on Sundays. Yeah, zombies. Mm-hmm. And so I will bring, I have brought my toddler daughter there, and there's no one around, and she gets to just walk around this big space and have the fucking time of her life. She gets to, like, wave at the people opening the stores and like you know doing shit in the windows and you can tell steve absolutely loves this part of his life i was gonna say though but like until you brought the interactions with other people i was gonna be like you know like like the outside exists right like you <laughs> like she could that walk around Ruth but... loves the outside she loves seeing the people in the mall yeah Ruth well, yeah, also that was that was the changer for me no i mean my daughter does love the outside also, it's just that, like, my house is on a busy road and there's, like, so much protection that needs to happen versus a mall is, like, climate controlled and has railings everywhere. Like, the worst that happens is she, like, falls over, like, trips on her feet and falls over or whatever. And then she just, it's, like, on carpet or tile or whatever, and she just keeps going. There's no, yeah, there's no there's risk no, of a there's Yeah, no there's no fucking broken glass. There are no used needles. There are no cigarette butts for her to eat. It's like yeah, yeah, no coyote to just grab her and run off. Yeah, no, no dingoes. I, I, what I'm, but I, I think, but I, again, I have to. I'm like focusing in on that. We are willing to accept that thing. 
Like mm-hmm. why I don't participate too often with TikTok is not because I think the medium is gross or like gross as a not cool or not interesting or bland or whatever. It's that it's just not really for me and that's okay. Like there are too many, TikTok has too many children on it who are, and this is not a problem. It's just too many children who are like, who have had, who like, who understand like the Pornhub theme joke. And who are, who are, and you know what I mean? And it's just my, my, my patience slash willingness to, I don't know, interact with like the, the, this imagery is like none. It's not because I think it's bad. It's just because I don't really have, that's not for me. You know, I don't want to, I don't, I don't, and, and that's okay. I think it's my willingness to be like, and that's okay, is the difference between us and every previous generation. It's like your acceptance of understanding where, your lane is and not even in from like a gatekeeping perspective but just like from a realistic like this is the kind of thing i'm going to enjoy and this is the kind of thing i'm not and not having a judgment with that yeah like for every for every like millennial tiktoker there's like five of them that are like i feel like i would go to jail you know what i mean for watching it and it's like well this is obviously not appropriate for me anymore as an adult and that's all right you know what i mean i don't have to hate this just because it doesn't fit my interests. I, although I, you know, to some extent, I do feel like I think my biggest criticism is that I think with like how active every like how, the more that the more people who get access to the internet, the more the more racism I see or or like like abject sexism I see. So like then I'm like, oh, this is frustrating. But that is has always been there. It's just that you know people in 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 Indiana didn't get were not often uh, like having a similar cross section on my fucking Facebook. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Compared to like a randomized yeah. app that forces different people to view the same piece of media. You know what I mean? Like there were still echo chambers that I could like blissfully ignorantly participate in. Mm-hmm. And, and now this is like all of the content is, is streamed at you randomly. So the chances of you interacting with someone in the comments who is like, doesn't like black people or doesn't like women is high. You know what I mean? Yeah, I see what you're saying. But I think my thing is that it's less about like generational divides and about like what media is pushed at you and more like everything on the internet is equal to everything else on the internet. Not 100%, but like if you upload something to YouTube or you upload something to like one of these big platforms and it's not so egregious that it gets kind of moderated out of existence, that it's sort of on an equal playing field as anything else. And become something that you can see. And I guess I'm really talking about something completely different, right? Like I'm talking about Nazis, <laughs> frankly. Or like that's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> if if it, I, I haven't said that yet. see that coming. All right. Well, we're, at the, high, the, we're at the two hour mark. And what is it? High Goddard's cop. Law or whatever we got oh, yeah. into the convo? Oh, yeah. Two, I mean, the, the crossover between Nazis and sexists and racists is high though. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. No, like we were flirting with Nazism, like most people. <laughs> like most Americans, we're getting uncomfortably close to Nazism until uh, we finally God. just here's called a, a spade a spade. Here's a quick hot take. Nazis learned from Americans. There you go. Largest mass genocide was the Native Americans. Hmm. I don't even think take? that's a hot take. I mean, like, I, yeah, I mean, I think that's just, a, I think that's just a fact. Okay. Like I'm, reticent, I'm reticent to Google how many indigenous Americans, how many indigenous people did we kill? Did we kill? Oh my God. <laughs> Oh man, it's a lot, boys. <laughs> it's eight million people. 
That's well, that was the initial Spanish conquest of the Americas. That's that's horrible. That's awful. I didn't even. Wow. Also, I, I I do think that Germany gets not a bad rap, but like Austria doesn't get enough attention, is what I'm saying in this in this conversation. In terms of like like America for sure, top hey, tier, number one. Hey, you want but, you want another hot take? The Soviets won World War Two, not the Americans. I I don't know about that. I think that they were integral. Like they were very important. Communism beat Nazis. That's all I'm saying. But, but I'm like, yeah, like the like the Germans tried to fight a war on two fronts, and like and the and the Russian winter and the ability of the 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 communist Russia to like mobilize in a way that Germany was not able to. But like, they wouldn't have oh, fought a war. Oh, really? And what economic system was the uh, Soviet Union no, operating no, no, under? No, they were no, able no, to do no, that. No, 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 no. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> Fucking Russians are drinking. We're eating potatoes and, and eating ice. It's not like uh, it was a great lifestyle. <laughs> But like, but also they wouldn't have been forced into the Russian winters if they didn't if they didn't fight a war on two fronts. Like they were losing ground to the Allied forces on the east. Who you know. who invaded Berlin? Who invaded Berlin? Was it Russia? I'm I'm going to assume it was Russia. It was Russia. It was Russia. All right. Well, so this has been our episode of Pop Culture Cake on. Thank uh, you. You could tell on, uh, Cabin in the Woods. Anybody want to plug their socials? On no. hold on, could it be on? checks notes cabin in the woods what yes um, i'm trying uh, to think of a title for the podcast i think i'm gonna uh, also we, this is gonna be one that we i think that if we're being how about honest, who we... beat the nazis how's that for <laughs> <laughs> yeah you won't get it unless you listen to the very end cabin in the woods <laughs> and who beat the nazis man uh, oh i just dropped something i think we're gonna we're gonna have to divvy this one up but yeah mm. any socials I'm going to play it the other way around. If you can find my Twitter and follow me, I will I will Venmo you at least a dollar. He will send you a gift, wow, a personalized you are, gift. Oh, you are sending bribes, my dude. Don't start high. Start at a penny because, God forbid, this goes viral and then you have 10,000 people. Well, no, but the secret is none of you can say, like, you can't help this online scavenger hunt. I mean, people on the internet can find things. That's like the whole thing about the internet. Yeah. As a as Steve's lawyer, I'm gonna have to say that that's that that's not a statement that he made, really. Yeah, he was, you know, he was oh, joking. Okay. Well, hold on. And yeah, if right. he wasn't me, joking, it was uh, yes. Let, let me let me let me sharpen the pencil a little bit on this one because you're right. I can't do that for everyone because eventually it's gonna reach critical mass and it'll be easier and easier to find me as much. Because you may not have known this, but Steve's a father. So he needs to, like, you know, spend money I need money that on money for my child. To buy school for his family. Currently, yeah, who currently... Are you, are, you trying to take, are you trying to take food out of Steve's child's mouth? She already does a really good job of that and just throws it on the fucking floor. <laughs> she so. does. There can't be that many Steves who are also fathers. It's the other thing. Oh, like, my gosh. Five. Yeah, we're really narrowing it down. Who live on busy roads? Yeah, mm-hmm. you put the pieces together. It's a real, yeah. it's a real, it's yeah. a real cabin in the woods Listen, scenario here. You might be you, found at the mall. See, yeah, yeah. Just go to your local mall in the hour before they open, and they let old people walk around and see if there's any fathers there with their children Poor walking. Finny. See, I was gonna make a waving at people in stores. Joke, but this works fine too. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> go to the, your local mall and shout. Kurt Cobain definitely killed himself and see if anyone confronts you about your wrong <laughs> idea. 
if anyone with a toddler strapped to their chest waddles over and says, I think if you read this report I've prepared, you may find a couple of holes in that particular narrative. Particularly Kurt Cobain's head. Oh my god. Any socials other than, than yeah, Steve? I'm going to give out I'm going to give out my Discord. You what? can add me. If you if you listen to this, which apparently I think we have like twenty six listeners like that. Whoa! You don't can go add me. Doxing what? us? What? It's not doxing. How's it doxing? It's like a reverse dox. As you're what doxing the audience. You're threatening the audience with your friendship. Yeah. What is adding a Discord going to do? Like, honestly, who fights the shoe? Honestly. I feel like there's just your, it wouldn't be a problem if your Discord username wasn't also your bank passwords. Like, good point. My what passwords? Bank. That's where oh, that's yeah. where successful people keep yeah, their money. Yeah. What is a name. quote? Bank. You're talking to a senior engineer, motherfucker. So I'm pretty what successful. Is, what is a bank? The money should be divided equally amongst all people. There you go. Now you're talking my language. What's your Discord? My Discord is vengeance hashtag eight one nine six. It's out there now. Also, if anyone, if any of my friends who are part of this podcast did not have me on Discord, now you can. Yeah, great. I have, I there have you me. go. Although I am clicking on the triple dots and, hi- and hovering over remove friend. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you can't find me. Oh, you can, but I'm, I'm not. You could, you honestly, guys, you could go to older podcasts and very easily find one of my like one of my socials that i shared I and from say. there you can find steve's discord i mean those twitch that he put out some episodes ago and, and then steve's dumbass is going to be out 25 dollars. so <laughs> when somebody when somebody when somebody uploads this to youtube it automatically transcripts and then somebody finds that transcript and then searches through and then but finds why an would older anyone episode spread, i mean that's such a troll thing to do because you can't like receive any more than one dollar so like a if dollar. you're spreading it around but then but then they make 13 smurf accounts yeah then they have 13 dollars and then they oh, get well, that no, dollar that was... they get that dollar they buy a toothbrush they trade the toothbrush for a slightly bigger toothbrush and then they just keep <laughs> doing that until they have like a house with a gigantic toothbrush in the backyard <laughs> okay but honestly if if I had the means to make bullshit Twitter scavenger hunts to reward people with like affordable housing, <laughs> would you say if you could seize the means of production then? If, if the left leaning motherfuckers would start playing by the Republican playbook and we had our own band of crazies armed to the teeth living in bunkers, I'm just saying. They don't like that though. They already have a revolution. Someone already... needs to no. Someone needs to do it. They're already so wary of Antifa, which is like, ugh, such the like such a milk toast in terms of militant groups in America. That's right. This is soup for my family. Fantastic okay. meme. Don't take Traitor that from us. Terrorist. Oh, I'm not upset about family soup. I'm upset that that is the boogeyman now. Not the armed militia, not the, like, individuals that shoot up early childhood education centers. No, people throwing soup cans, predominantly at windows. Or bags of soup, too. Which, it's a bag of soup. Yeah, it's all sloshy. And yeah, what does that do? 
makes a big old mess. And then you what gotta the clean it up, and that soup goes everywhere. What the fuck is this episode? Forrest, what are we... Hmm? Forrest, give us a hard ending, but I gotta press stop on this at some point. I mean, I think this is... I mean, we're, we're gliding. We're on, a, we're on a slow trajectory. We're landing the plane. <laughs> you know? We're on the runway. We're waiting for the lights to come on. We feel like it should come on any minute now. But it always takes analogy. a little bit longer. It takes like maybe 5 to 10 to 15 minutes longer. Plus, you're just kind of anxiously <laughs> sitting there. And like you have your phone screen off because you don't want it to be on. Because like you're not supposed to have your stuff on while, during takeoff and landing. But you know that's bullshit. But you also kind of are like suspicious of it. So I don't know. Just like let it, let, let it kind of like wash over you. This is all part of the experience. That was a Brent bit. That was 100% that was. Brent no, yeah. that was not like no because I, it was still that. way too abstract. I'd have to have very, I'd have to have so many more proper nouns what? in that sentence. I mean, okay. all you need to do is give us the destination you're flying to and the like airport so you're, you're flying, flying out of, and that would be fine. Yeah, you're yeah, landing, yeah. Landing in Denver International Airport, and you've had a very mm -hmm. long flight, and the seat's just a little bit too warm, and your knees have touched the front of the other seat just a few too many times, and you feel like maybe the meniscus is about to fucking tear because the lady is just like keeps leaning back, and you don't know why. It's not like she's doing anything. The seats don't lean back enough to like freely adjust your spine, but mm -hmm. she still fucking does it, just constantly doing it. And you've said something, you were like, ooh, ah, mm -hmm. you know, hoping that they would get it, but then you realize that they have these giant fucking Raycons on. By the way, podcast sponsored by Raycon. <laughs> what the fuck is a Raycon? Discount, <laughs> discount code CONCON for 20%. <laughs> PCC. Yeah, and the, the package of nuts that you received had a hole in it, so that made you suspicious Whoa, of the nuts. Whoa, you get fucking nuts? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, you, know. you do on Air Canada. This post sponsored or this podcast sponsored <laughs> by Air Canada. Use the code PCC for five percent off your next and short. twice the peanuts. Yeah, mention that you listen to this great podcast called Pop Culture Cake to the air steward that comes by with the snack cart, and then with a knowing glance, tap your bag of pretzels or peanuts. <laughs> They'll treat you right. But that second, just like a just a forewarning, that second bag of peanuts is all. It's like it's all, like all salt. There's no peanut all, in uh -huh. there. It's all it's all Brazil nut. Ooh, such so as like one Brazil nut. <laughs> in fact, just the sheer economy of a fully sealed package with a single Brazil nut in it is uh... is bankrupting Air Canada. <laughs> oh my god. This thing is a fucking nightmare. I don't. <laughs> It'll be good. No, I'm editing this. I'm editing this episode. It's on me. <laughs> we'll do. We'll break it up into chunks because this is a lot. I'm gonna. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No social except for Dane's Discord, which is Vengeance eight one nine six. Did you write that down? No, I have my Discord up. I'm not. A, I'm not a computer. I'm utilizing one. Mm -hmm. You can also find Dane on League of Legends at. Uh, his Smurf account is also Vengeance, uh, Vengeance King Twelve, with, with, with like prefaced and and followed by a, a lowercase X. But like not even close. <laughs> Actually, funny story. My game names are like inconsistent across so many platforms. Oh my go god! By, like, How can you log into anything? <laughs> I hope you have. I hope you have LastPass. <laughs> Something. This podcast sponsored by LastPass. Mm -hmm. Code PCC for a free month of LastPass. I, again, I have to remind you that PCC is too short of a code. Like that's 
not how that works. Like, we would need at least five characters, I feel like. Oh, oh I'm God. sorry. Do you I'm sorry. develop what? online point-of-sale systems so you know the fucking care the regex going on behind the scenes for a fucking... Okay, I, really, I really wanted to say, do you, but I feel like the answer would be yes. So, <laughs> I mean, I have... I've, designed literally one and we farmed out that part to to sw square swipe not square sw i fucking stripe <laughs> shopify he wrote just like three cucumber tests <laughs> shit that yeah. yeah exactly uh, all right this podcast this podcast is over this podcast is done we're done two hours and 13 minutes and 49 seconds is our limit <laughs> As I have not yet pressed stop recording. That's no, the other I, 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 I have the power. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. You're just lording it over us. Yeah. I'll just I'll just talk about the time that I was like, nah, the built-in email <laughs> regular expression. Not Kurt, good enough. I gotta write Kurt my Cobain own. Was only five six. His legs were not long enough. <laughs> Oh, you, man. Have you ever tried to blow your head off by pulling a pulling a shotgun trigger with your toes, Dane? <laughs> If I were successful, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> Instead, I'm, I'm full... just deaf. <laughs> and I'm a, a full 6'2", brother. It's, it's not possible. <laughs> that was big man. Steve energy. I would say watch Cabin in the Woods. 